0: Welcome back to The Wise Man's Page, the daily podcast where we read a page of The Wise Man's Fear and then talk about it. This is page 989, five pages remain. Bast's eyes brightened at the thought, then dimmed almost immediately. He shook his head. You're looking for depth in a shallow stream, he said. I don't follow you, Chronicler demanded. What possible reason could she have for letting him go if he was truly dangerous? Reason? Bast asked, dark amusement coloring his voice. No reason. She's got nothing to do with reason. She let him go because it pleased her pride. She wanted him to go out into the mortal world and sing her praises, tell stories about her, pine for her. That's why she let him leave. He sighed. I've already told you, my folk are not famous for our good decisions. Perhaps, Chronicler said. Or perhaps she simply recognized the futility of trying to second-guess the cathay. He made a nonchalant gesture. If whatever you're going to do is wrong, you might as well do whatever you want. Bast sat quietly for a long moment. Then he nodded faintly at first, then more firmly. You're right, he said. If everything is going to end in tears anyway, I should do what I want. Bass looked around the room, then came suddenly to his feet. After a moment's searching, he found a thick cloak crumpled on the floor. He gave it a vigorous shake and wrapped it around his shoulders before heading to the window. Then he stopped, came back to the couch and rummaged in the cushions until he found a bottle of wine. Chronicler looked puzzled. What are you doing? Are you going back to Shep's wake? Bast paused on his way back to the window, seeming almost surprised to see Chronicler still standing there. I am going about my business, he said, tucking the bottle of wine under his arm. He opened the window and swung one foot outside. Don't wait up. Kvothe stepped briskly into his room, closing the door behind himself. He moved about busily, he cleared the cold ashes from the fireplace and set new wood in its place, sparking the fire to life with a fat red sulfur match. He fetched a second blanket and spread it over his narrow bed. Frowning slightly, he picked up the crumpled piece of paper from where it had fallen to the floor and returned it to the top of his desk where it sat, next to the two other crumpled sheets. Then, moving almost reluctantly, he made his way to the foot of his bed. Taking a deep breath, he wiped his hands on his pants and knelt in front of the dark chest that sat there. He rested both hands on the curved lid and the page ended. I'm Nick. I'm Joanna. I'm Jeremy.
1: Hands. Also, I have other things.
0: So he wiped his hands on his pants. That's significant.
1: No, the, he put both of his hands on the chest. Oh. Some, that
0: thing. What did he do but
1: with both of it? The thing he did with both of his hands.
0: He's doing stuff with his hands. I'm He's only doing kidding. Wash it with his hands. Yeah, I mean, when I wipe my very hands on my pants, it's very significant.
1: Yeah. Rest both hands on the curved lid.
0: You said you have things? Because I have yeah, things. yeah.
1: Okay. So uh my first thing, actually my main thing really, uh the fireplace. The contrast between uh how Bass deals with the fireplace when he enters his room versus how Quoth deals with the fireplace when he enters his room. Like I that those two different contrasts to me feel resonant and I don't know why. But is, they both it, mention the fireplaces and they do completely different things with them.
2: Is it just because they tell us something about
0: the character?
1: maybe it tells us something certainly about their mood
0: i think both is true and about because,
1: how warm their room is
0: yeah well bast bast doesn't keep his wood pile stocks there's nothing inside
1: do fey get cold the way people get cold
0: i'm oh,
1: sorry that was uh, i'm sorry that was very derogatory i <laughs> i made it no, sound like they were not people <laughs>
0: he's basically said they're not people right he says they're not mortal i don't know that that doesn't seem that derogatory to me but then again being I'm mortal
1: doesn't make you people.
0: I was about to say I'm a facist. <laughs>
2: okay, Jordana, I'm sure you had other things you wanted to get at. No,
1: that was
0: that was most of it.
1: It was just that about was the fireplaces and what, I don't, uh, yeah. Go ahead with your things.
0: Uh, a new outlook on life for Bast going into book three. W- uh, kind of a troubling one if, if this <laughs> yeah, trend Get continues. a blanket and some
1: wine and just go for it.
0: Well, I feel like the point is that
2: he, like, he has taken precisely the wrong lesson from what Chronicler <laughs> is trying to impart to him you know chronicler is trying to impart a kind of like secular humanist point of view like if if there is no afterlife if there is no fate if nothing that you do matters in like a cosmic sense then the only thing that matters is like what you do day to day and how you live your life and like you know i think that most secular humanists would say like well that means you should try to like do as much good as you can and be a good person but i think what bast has said is okay if nothing means anything bast has become a nihilist right if like if nothing i do matters uh, and there's no consequence that I can do whatever I want and whatever I want might be horrible because I am like a fae being with lots of power and not a lot of sense of like long term consequence.
1: Yeah, I feel like Chronicler is trying to trying to pose the do the next right thing uh, mentality and it doesn't really work correctly.
0: Yeah, his, his facts and logic argument kind of falls apart when we mm-hmm. know this is the end of Chronicler in this book. We no longer get. Even a response. The only thing we get is that he looks puzzled when Bast gets up to go. We don't get the, like, dawning horror for him. Yeah, it's
2: it's not clear if Chronicler realizes how badly he's bungled.
0: Mm-hmm. That said, I think this whole exchange is important because otherwise the people like us would be picking apart the rules of the Cathay for years to come. The fact that this is all stated means that, well, I'm not sure what it means, but it casts important doubt on the nature of the Cathay. It means that the characters are also wrestling with these implications of what the Cathay is and does and what it means for the story.
2: Yeah, we can't take, it, it makes us not have to take for granted that what Bass believes about and has said about the, the Cathay is true.
0: And it also addresses a question I had because I also went, wait a minute, Valeria knows about the Cathay. She was worried that Bast that Koth had like spoken to it and was been bitten by it which doesn't come up the idea of the Cathay bite and sidebar that implies that she knows something true about it that didn't make it into the stories because Bass doesn't know anything about being bitten being by bitten. the Cathay unless being bitten is a metaphor for like having carrying its curse or whatever but she goes oh no you're not bit you're fine so maybe yeah, it's she a little bit
1: check him for bites yeah she right? like che- she looked at him and stuff yeah so she literally that feels checked like him. a physical
0: exactly exactly so something is missing from the stories. As and these are all things that we had talked about and now Chronicler is talking about like, Philurian knows the Cathay probably better than any other living fae or at least that we've met because she's as old as it is uh,
1: Imagine if she, you have to be bitten by it in order for any of the things about the Cathay to be true
0: Yeah, maybe
2: so And then like, is just the worrying for nothing Well, he's not worrying for nothing in the case of Quoth because Quoth did get bit by it
1: No, he didn't get bit by
2: it Only if it's metaphorical
1: Okay, but if it... Yeah, fine. Whatever.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Adrinina got sick of arguing with us. <laughs> yes,
1: correct. Yeah. I know he... the listeners know what I'm trying to say. I don't care if you two do.
0: <laughs> but anyway, both of these possible answers are are apt ones, and also ones that the listener has been invited to consider. Is Filurion just so selfish that she doesn't care about the... The, the damage that the Cathay might wreak if the stories are true and that's why she let him go? Or does she know that it's not actually that big a deal and so she knows that there are no consequences and she's okay to let both go? It doesn't give us an answer. It doesn't need to, but it does say, hey, if you have been thinking about this, so have I, and you're right to be thinking about it. And this is one of the reasons why I think this book is so great is because I feel like it is this this kind of stuff is inviting us to analyze it. It's inviting us to say, and rewarding us for actively engaging with it and saying well hang on if this is true how can this be true and that's also true of something that Simmons said previously which i can't remember what it was but i remember having the same kind of conversation about that where simon had been analyzing something
1: guys maybe we should like close read like like grim fairy tales and see what happens <laughs>
0: No. Well, we're getting into an interesting uh, conundrum there because I suppose Grimm is the original, right? So, Well, like there, is a, there, there are is different a...
1: fairy tales written by different people. So there's the Hans Christian Andersen fairy tales. There's the Grimm Brothers fairy tales. Uh, well, the Grimm you... Brothers fairy tales are like the oldest.
0: That's what I mean. When you say that. Grimm Brothers, I'm thinking of like we have to, those fairy tales. But... Then we're talking about, like, the different translations, and they're talking about the different yeah. context that they were translated in, and, like...
1: Pick one. and Go for it.
0: Look, I didn't get into the podcasting game to do the nerdy bullshit research
2: analyzed horse crap. That's not what I'm in it for.
1: Okay, I'm just saying I own a lot of fairy tale books, and uh, it is easily accessible for us. And, you know, we got a whole wait before the third book comes. So... You can't
2: okay, make well... me
0: read another book, Jordana. <laughs>
1: You love reading. Why is this a problem?
0: I read Dernet, I want to read. You can read. organize it. You can organize it. You can, uh, you can, you know, you can send out all the invites. Also,
1: oh, man, frankly. I had, I had such a sassy thing to say, but I won't because it's cruel and it's false.
0: I <laughs> also think that the Grimm's fairy
2: tales are among the most overanalyzed works of fiction in the human corpus of knowledge. And I don't know how much new we'd be able to add to that discussion.
1: I don't think that the listeners are in it for uh, our... I, th- okay, here's the thing. The listeners aren't in it for the analysis. They're in it for our analysis.
0: At this <laughs> point, I eyes. feel like <laughs> the call-in is... Anyway, let's, let's sidebar this. We are going to have uh, a Q&A episode or two after we wrap the book. So why don't we sidebar that and maybe open up a what-would-you-like-to-see-next conversation after That's, that. But yes, since we're still on a mainline episode... Letters. We're on a mandate right now. And I don't mean when Jeremy and I go to dinner. I That's mean, right. we have to <laughs> continue reading this book and finishing it. Is there anything else you want to say on this page?
1: No. Uh, I have a mandate to end this episode because uh, I feel like it. <laughs> we'll see we're, but we're, really,
2: we're really abandoning the like smooth segue thing, aren't we? You know Paige? what? The smooth
1: segue <laughs> was never my forte. That was a you thing. And, and this is a me thing. And I'm saying page.
2: I said page
1: no I said page
0: of the wind the smooth segue is that like when you ride on one of those things
2: no get out (laughs)